Where were you when I laid the Earth's foundation? Tell me, if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? On what were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstone while the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy? Who shut up the sea behind doors when it burst forth from the womb, when I made the clouds its garment and wrapped it in thick darkness, when I fixed limits for it and set its doors and bars in place, when I said, this far you may come and no farther, here is where your proud waves halt? Have you ever given orders to the morning or shown the dawn its place that it might take the earth down by the edges and shake the wicked out of it? The earth takes shape like clay under a seal. Its features stand out like those of a garment. The wicked are denied their light and the appraised arm is broken. Have you journeyed to the springs of the sea or walked in the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been shown to you? Have, this, have you seen the gates of the deepest darkness? Have you comprehended the vast expanses of the earth? Tell me if you know all this. Well, now it's time to welcome today's guest preacher. This morning, we are excited to welcome back to the pulpit Court Street's very own Ryan Walker. Last time Ryan was here preaching at Court Street, I shared with you that over the years, he has served on the staff of six different churches. Back in 2017, when Ryan's family first connected with Court Street, Ryan was serving two Sundays a month as the worship leader of a church down in Sterling Heights. Now, Ryan's family came to feel at home at Court Street. They especially loved the congregation's emphasis on social justice. When the pandemic started, Ryan decided that it was time to step down from that role at the church in Sterling Heights and to make Court Street his family's full-time church home. We are so very grateful that God led Ryan and his family to us here at Court Street United Methodist Church. We're grateful for all of the things that they've added to the church's worship and ministry. And today, we are excited to welcome Ryan back as he shares the good news of God's love with his own church family at the Court Street United Methodist Church. Good morning, Court Street Church family. My name is Ryan Walker. The first time I spoke, I had mentioned what a great honor and privilege it was to be asked by Pastor Jeremy to be part of the summer speaking rotation. Now, after listening to the different speakers and hearing their different perspectives, I feel even more honored and privileged to be part of, of this rotation. I've really enjoyed listening to the different speakers and hearing their different perspectives. Before we get started, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this day and thank you for all that you do for us every single day. Right now, we just pray that you open our hearts and our minds and our ears to what it is that you have for us. Amen. Have you ever felt completely abandoned by God? A time when you felt that you had lost all favor and really had no idea what it was that you did to deserve to be spiritually stranded or abandoned. I've been there at different parts of my life, different times of my life. Feelings of spiritual abandonment, feelings that I must have done something wrong to lose favor with God. Even if I couldn't really pinpoint what it was that I did wrong. One of the things I love about the Bible is that it doesn't shy away from the difficulties that come with human life. It doesn't shy away from the difficulties that make most of us uncomfortable. It addresses the human spirit and the human psyche. It addresses pain and suffering and sorrow 
not necessarily from the standpoint of sin that many within the Christian community have come to believe, but from the place of understanding, a place of empathy and compassion, reminding us of the very meaning and purpose of our lives. It's important for us to understand that when bad things in life happen, it's not necessarily the result of anything that we did wrong. And it's also important for us to understand that God's silence during difficult times doesn't necessarily mean that God has abandoned us or is ignoring us in any way. In fact, there are times when he seems so distant that he's actually closer to us than ever before. There's a great story in the Bible that addresses our human emotions and our feelings of spiritual abandonment, a story that hits right at the core of pain and suffering and grief and mourning and sorrow. Roughly 4,000 years ago, there lived a man named Job. The opening chapter of the book of Job gives us a brief introduction into his life. He was the father of seven sons and three daughters. He was also very wealthy. He owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 1,000 oxen, and 500 donkeys. And he also had a large staff of employees. So at that time in the land of Uz, if you needed work, you went to Job because Job could get you work. Job was considered the greatest man among all the people of the East. Now the writer goes on to describe Job as a man devoted to God, a man who regularly burned sacrifices early in the morning as an offering for each of his ten children, just in case any of them did anything wrong. The writer also praises, praises Job as being blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. The writer then goes on to write an account of a conversation between God and Satan. And God confronts Satan, asking Satan, where have you been? Satan then admits to God that he was roaming through the earth and going back and forth in it. So I can almost see God sitting on the throne, reflecting on what Satan had just said, and God then responding, have you considered my servant Job? And then Satan gets defensive and accuses God of putting a protective hedge around Job. But in that moment, God hands Job's life over to Satan with only one caveat. On the man himself, don't you lay a finger. So Satan goes out to test Job. So he, Satan attacks Job's wealth and he also attacked his loved ones. All of Job's oxen and donkeys were stolen by the neighboring Sabaeans, and all the hired hands that were tending to them were put to death. And then fire consumed all of Job's sheep and hired hands tending to them. And then the Chaldeans sent raiding parties to steal all of Job's camels and all of the hired hands tending to them. And lastly, all of Job's sons and daughters were killed when the house they were feasting and collapsed on them. Now, for the normal human being, these tests would have been enough to make them give up. 
They would have just been done. Yet despite all that happened, the writer says that Job did not sin by charging God with any wrongdoing. So God and Satan then have a second conversation, and again, God asks Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? And again, God puts Job's life in Satan's hands, but not this time he didn't say, Don't touch Job's life. This time he says, You must spare his life. There's a difference there. So now, giving a little bit more license and freedom here, Satan goes out and tests Job again. And this time he attacks Job's physical well-being. Satan attacked Job with painful sores from head to foot. Here's Job still mourning and grieving for the loss of his children and the loss of everything he owned. And Satan attacks his health. The writer describes Job as sitting among the ashes as he grieved. Yet still, Job did not point the finger at God and charge God with any wrongdoing. Now there's a third test here that the Bible goes on to talk about, but we don't necessarily look at it as a, as a test per se because God didn't tell Satan to consider his servant Job. Nor did, was this next test administered by Satan himself. This next test was administered by Job's closest friends. And yet this may have even been the most difficult test of all. Job's friends came to him with good intentions. They wanted to help their friend in his time of greatest need. Maybe as Job had helped them in the past. They saw their friend mourning and grieving, and they took pity on him. Not only did they desire to be with Job in his time of mourning and grief, but they were intent to fix his spirit, to fix his problems. So obviously, Job had done something terrible to lose favor with God, right? And so being the good friends that they were, they sought to help him find out what it was that he did wrong and to help restore his place with God again. Now these three tests that Job faced, they're not uncommon for many people around our world, around our country, within the the community of Flint, and quite possibly right here within the body of Court Street United Methodist Church. Every day, People around us experience loss. Every day, people around us get sick and get not so good news from their respective doctors. And every day, people have to contend with the good intentions of friends and family who want to help them solve their problems and to fix them. James 1, James tells us, that we should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. But so often, aren't we guilty of doing the exact opposite? Don't we tend to be slow to, slow to listen, quick to speak, and quick to become angry? When it comes right down to it, aren't we uncomfortable with people sharing how they really feel? 
We're not comfortable around people who are crying. We're not comfortable around people who are venting. We're not comfortable around people who are dealing with anxiety and depression. So when we see our loved ones hurting, our instinct are to help them fix their problem and to restore them back to normality. Or even worse, when someone is venting off, we're quick to say, you just need to get over it. Or just give it to God. And so often, we tend to be slow to listen because we're not comfortable when someone's venting off. So we offer them, oftentimes, unwanted advice. And when our loved one responds defensively to our unwanted advice, we're then be quick to become angry. In other words, we handle the issues of our loved ones in the same way that Job's friends did. When God finally responded, I don't picture a God of wrath demanding silence. Who are you to question me? No, I picture a God of love a God of compassion, a God who knew and understood what Job was going through. And he had the patience to allow Job to mourn and to grieve and to allow him room to have doubts and questions. And God even allowed Job to question his faith. There have been times when helping my kids through issues that they face and helping them through times of depression Rather than responding to them with direct answers, I'll, I'll ask them questions to kind of help redirect their thoughts and help them to, to think about it from a different perspective. Not giving them answers to their woes, but trying to be understanding and asking them questions to get them to think outside of themselves. And this is exactly how God responded to Job, not with answers to all of Job's questions and issues, but with questions to help redirect Job back to the one who created him, or in the words that a good friend of mine used to say from the pulpit quite, quite frequently, redirecting Job back to the one who knows him best and loves him most. Where were you? when the earth's foundations were laid? Who marked off its dimensions? Who stretched a measuring line across it? And as God is speaking calmly to Job, as a loving parent does with a hurting child, I can sense a peace and calm covering Job. Not once, while God spoke to Job, did he point out anything that Job did wrong. Rather, his questions were used to help Job think outside of himself and to consider the whole of creation. Surely, if God is capable of handling the entire universe and the world in which we live, then surely God is also taking care of us in our greatest time of need. Through the chaos and the darkness, which zaps us of our strength, and even our will to live. And as, Job, and as God questions Job, I picture Job lying down on his back, 
his hands behind his head, acting as pillows, gazing into the night sky and reflecting on what God was speaking to him. And as God concludes, I imagine a sigh of peace, calm, relief, reassurance, escaping Job's lips as understanding comes to him that God never left him and God had never forsaken him, that God was actually closer to him than ever before. And Job's final response, I know that you can do all things. No plan of yours can be thwarted. In this life, there's going to be times when our faith is tested. There may be times when we want to just give up. But a testing of our faith doesn't necessarily mean that we've done anything wrong. Trouble and pain don't necessarily mean that we've lost favor with God. And James addresses this idea at the beginning of his letter. When he wrote to us, Consider it pure joy when you, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And Jesus even said to his disciples the night that he was betrayed, in this world, there's going to be trouble. Not there might be trouble, there's a possibility of trouble, but there will be trouble. But he encouraged his disciples to know that in the midst of trouble, don't worry, because I have overcome the world. God knows what we're going through. He sees our hurt and our pain and our suffering. Maybe God doesn't respond right away, but maybe God's lack of response isn't so much because God doesn't care as much as it is that God is allowing us room to vent. He's allowing us room for to grieve and to mourn, allowing us room to consider our situation and to even allow us to question and to doubt and to struggle with our faith, knowing that when God does respond, we'll then be ready to listen. And through listening, maybe we'll come to the same conclusion that Job did. I know that you can do all things. No plan of yours can be thwarted. Father, again, we thank you so much for this day. And God, I know that there might be some people that are watching this who are hurting right now, who are, who are dealing with, with grief and maybe mourning loss. And God, right now, I just pray that, that you just wrap your arms around us and remind us that you're there with us. Remind us that, that you're closer to us than we, we think we, that you are. God, we love you and it's in your name we pray. Amen.